This morning's scripture reading will be Joshua 24, verses 14 through 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if you be unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father, father served in this region beyond the river, or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Good morning, church. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 17. It is great to be back home. It was awesome to get a chance to go to the mountains for a little while, but it is awesome to return and get to come home uh, to my family here in Kerrville, especially to come back and celebrate one of life's greatest gifts, moms. Moms, I just want to tell you, happy Mother's Day, and uh, we are honored that we could be in your presence today. When I reflect on people in my life who I believe most represent Christ in the world on a consistent basis, most often I think of mothers. Most literally are walking illustrations of steadfast love. Most are walking illustrations of what it means to sacrifice personal comfort for others' needs. They're walking illustrations of the strength that's needed to press through most of life's difficult circumstances. And many of those characteristics I've seen in moms originate and get their cue from, from Jesus. The one through whom the world has been created, the one through whom many of them take their cues to live that way. And I want to say it again, it is an honor to be in your company. And before we go any further, I want to personally ask God's blessing upon you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Thank you for um, the blessing of the mothers that have been in our lives. Thank you for the blessing of those that you are preparing right now to become mothers. And I, Father, I just am thankful for those that you've placed both in my life, my blood mothers, my faith mothers, uh, my, my church mothers. Uh, it is amazing how you have been faithful to your promise to surround us with aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandmas that have nothing to do with our family tree, but have everything to do with your bloodline. Thank you so very much for uh, all that you've done, but we thank you most for mothers today. In Jesus' precious name, and everybody said. Dads, if you want to love your kids well, someone once wrote, love their mother well. I think that's great advice. And for how to do that, I'd gladly point you to last week's message that Greg preached on what husbands need to know about loving their wives. It really is worth a listen. And I want to say this up front. I can't thank Greg enough for the job he does every single time when I need to be gone. I never worry about what's going to come from this pulpit when he's standing in this place. And I know that you love having him preach here. I always take time to listen to his lessons every time because I don't want to miss what he has to say. And while I was listening Tuesday, I, I got to tell you, I was convicted about how I need to be a better husband, and he, and he showed me how. But I also had something triggered in my mind that made me smile I wanted to share with you. A woman by the name of Rochelle was driving home from one of her business trips in northern Arizona. And when she saw an elderly Navajo woman walking on the side of the road, she, she felt, well, she's pretty harmless, and so I, I think I'll just stop and give her a ride. Well, she stopped and rolled down the window and said, would you, would you like a ride? And lady never said anything but with a silent nod she got in the car well in a few minutes Rochelle tried to strike up a conversation with her but the new passenger wasn't talking she even tried to ask a few questions about her Navajo culture but still nothing she just sat there silently 
But all the while, she was looking intently at everything in the car, everything on the dash, everything hanging from the rearview mirror, the, the upholstery, and especially what was sitting next to her in a brown bag. As a matter of fact, that's when she finally spoke. She said, what in bag? And Rachel looked down at the brown bag and she said, it's a bottle of wine that I got for my husband. And the Navajo woman was silent for a moment and then speaking with the quiet wisdom of an elder, she said, you'll make good trade. Okay, the second wave is getting that good, good. Some of you will get that at lunch. Guys, let's be honest. There are many a day when we aren't worth a bottle of wine, all right? But please don't let today be one of those, all right? Take the time to help your kids show mom in your home how loved she really is. We're talking about Discipleship Central these days. That's why the banner behind us, if you're visiting with us and loving on one of your moms. And without a doubt for any Christian, the location for that is more the home you live in than the building that you came today to worship in. I'm glad that you came to worship Jesus here today, and I mean that. But in most cases, the Jesus you worship in your home is the Jesus that your kids are either going to follow or forsake. Don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled that we have a tool like this building to bring our worship to. But if you have the impression that any holy building is discipleship central, that that's where we make disciples best, then it's our Lord who would beg to differ with you. Just look at his spirit-filled life. Listen to his spirit-filled words in Scripture. And here's one of them. You are discipleship central. Because don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Man, I wish we'd get that. I wish I'd get that. That I'm the means of influence. I'm the light of the world because the light of Christ is in me. And wherever I am, that's where the light of Christ at least could be. Did you know that God never asked for a temple to be built? If you've been a part of this series, you maybe heard me mention that in the early part of this series. But God never, ever asked for a temple to be built. He never asked for a synagogue to be built. He never asked for a church building to be built for how he would reach the nations with his love. Now, he did give us the freedom to construct such things, obviously. To use those as tools, but listen to me, church, make no mistake about it, you are his primary tool because you are his, the scripture says, his temple. But if there are any four walls that he wishes to use for fellowship and for teaching and for training of disciples, listen to me clearly, it's the four walls of your home. It was in a home where the roof developed a, um, an unwanted skylight, where Jesus made the point forgiveness of sins is every bit a miracle of God as making a man lame walk. It was in a home that Martha found out that sometimes sitting at the feet of Jesus is more appropriate than working for Jesus. It was in a home that Zacchaeus experienced a love for Christ that absolutely wrecked his heart and his bank account. It was in a home that Jesus brought back to life Jairus' daughter 
healing both her diseased body and her family's devastated heart. All of that, church, I'm reminding you, was done in a home. That's why the address for the church in any town, in any city, for listen to me, 200 years of its early existence, the address of the local church was always a home. Read the ends of Paul's letters and you'll see mention that the church met in Philemon's home and Priscilla and Aquila's home and Nympha's home and Lydia's home. Why? Because Discipleship Central was the home. The home was the primary tool where people both began a relationship with Jesus excuse me, and developed a relationship with Jesus. And it's where God desires not just for his people in Israel to acknowledge, but for us to acknowledge, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, we heard that read a few moments ago. I read it again. And if it's more than just a scripture that's in some ancient book, but if that really is something that you hope for your house, would you say these words with me? Here we go. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, this time, just emphasize the my house part with me, okay? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what's neat is, is God doesn't leave what that service would look like to our imagination. You know this. An expert in the law came to Jesus one day and says, what must I do to have life that doesn't have an end to it? He's really also asking, and it's also asked this way in another gospel, what does the Lord expect from us? What's he looking for in this love that he's given us and the blessings he's given us? What's he looking for in return, in, as a response? And this particular expert in Luke chapter 10 gives the answer because Jesus says, what do you read? When you read the law, what do you read? And here's what he read. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbors yourself. Now, we know that that's what God's looking for is a response of his love in our lives and his mercy in our lives and his blessing in our lives because Jesus says, you're correct now. Go and do that and you will live. Now, again, I want to ask you, if you believe that that is exactly what God's called you to do as a church, I'm going to ask you to read those verses with me. If not, just listen, okay? But if you believe that that is our response to a loving amazingly gracious God read these words with me love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself church we can do that we can do that with the Spirit's help we can do that did you notice that I highlighted the last part of that verse, specifically, love your neighbor as yourself? Here's why. This banner, this, this theme, this series that we've been about for the last eight, nine weeks, really has as its basis that thing. Loving your neighbor. And I know somebody's thinking, Really? Um, I've, I've been here for all of those, and I wouldn't have got love your neighbor from that. 
I mean, Jimmy, your first message was about a God who hates it when things get lost, namely his people. And what really bothers him is when he doesn't have anybody to help him to find them. We talked about um, how he'd like to partner with us to, to continue doing what his son came to do, and that was namely seek and save the lost. But Jimmy, you didn't say anything about neighbors. You talked about hospitality, about how our homes can be the best center for healing and help. But you never said anything about neighbors. Now, you did talk about that next week, about how hospitality can knit our hearts together as a church family. How it's nearly impossible, seated in rows, to get to know each other much. But, oh man, you get us in circles and in a home, that becomes much easier. But you didn't say anything about neighbors. And then you talked about the global refugee crisis. How millions of people in Syria have lost their homes. And they've lost their way and how we might have a hand in helping them find a new home and a new way. But you know what, Jimmy? You never said anything about neighbors. And then you talked about how to build a Christian home, which really was a, a mini parenting seminar. You mentioned things like a grace foundation and a loving, capable contractor and, and a framework for wise decisions. And then you talked about windows of joy. Love the cream puff story, but I could have done without the rap. And then you had Greg come and talk to us about the fact, well, if you really want to love your kids well, then love each other well, husband and wife. But you know what? Neither he nor you talked about neighbors when you talked about those things. And I just want to say right up front, okay, call it one long introduction, all right? But this really is the theme this is really the, the target. This is the place of which all of those lessons have been leading to. And I say that because how in the world can I reach out to my next door neighbor for Christ if my closest neighbors, my family, don't have him first? The answer is, if integrity matters in your life, you can't. You just can't. My home can't be a place where I, I'm trying to make disciples if it's not a place where the residents of that home are becoming one. Integrity won't let me do that. Did you know, church, that the word neighbor comes from the Greek word plesion, which simply means nearby? That's all it means. When you hear, love your neighbor, love your plesion, the one nearby you. That's what I'd like for you to do. And that can be the one that's nearby your locker. It can be the one who sits in your pew. It can be the one who, who you work next to in the office cubicle. It can be the one that, that's next to you in the school bus that you ride every day. It can be the one who you lay down and sleep next to every single night or those that sleep in your home every night. It can, the play a song, can be those nearby you in those circumstances. Neighbor can be connected to many different circumstances for those that are nearby us. But certainly, church, it has to apply to those who are in our neighborhood. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what we refer to our folks that live in close proximity to our house. We call them our next-door neighbors. Interesting that Jesus chose a word used over 2,000 years ago that really needs no one to tell you what the Greek word means. You walk out on the street today and I can guarantee you if you said, tell me who your neighbors are. 
And, and it's not a religious discussion. It hasn't been framed that way from the get-go. And they're going to tell you who those people are, if they know them at all, who live in close proximity to them. Because in America, that's who neighbors are. It's just simply who they are. And so, when Jesus asks us to love him and to love our neighbors, I know it can mean a lot of different things, but it has to mean, has to mean the people in close proximity, the people nearby our house or our apartment or our teepee for that matter. I don't care where you call home. If there's people in close proximity to you, God says, in a loving response to me, I'd like for you to love those folks. Now, our elders think that that's such an important thing that we've included that in our mission steps. You've heard our mission statement already in this message so far that, that we're leading ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. That's our mission statement. But our mission steps, how we do that, loving God, loving neighbor, and living life to the full. For the last four and a half years, since God's called me to come and spend some time with you guys, and for the majority of the time that you hear a sermon, you hear it from me, for the last four and a half years, we've talked a lot about how you love God. We have. We've talked a little bit about living life to the full, but I want to say this, we've not talked much at all, if any, about loving that neighbor right next to you where you live. But we're going to for the next couple of weeks as we wrap this thing up. Can I ask you a question? How are you doing at loving your nearbys at your house? How are you doing at even connecting on the smallest level with your nearbys, with your neighbors in your neighborhood? Now, if I ask you to name your neighbors to the left, your neighbors to the right, if I ask you for the names of your neighbors across the street or maybe behind you, could you do that? Could you tell me what their greatest struggle was this year? Could you tell me what their greatest blessing was this year? Could you tell me how many kids they have? Could you tell me what, what they did for vacation last summer? Could you tell me whether they like hamburgers or pizza? Well, if you could... Do you think that might make a difference in your influence in their lives for Jesus? I ask that because I want to remind you this morning that Jesus has uniquely called us to love our neighbors. But secondly, he has also uniquely placed us to love our neighbors. If you've got something to mark, I really wish you would mark that place I ask you to turn to, Acts chapter 17. Because I read a passage here a couple of months back that I'm telling you just shut me down. <laughs> I said, really? I didn't know that was in there. And it's a pretty famous speech in Scripture. The setting is Athens, and Paul has been invited to give a TED Talk to some folks who love to hear good speeches. They love philosophy. They love the search for truth. And some, somebody, somebody has overheard Paul down in the marketplace talking about this new sect called The Way arguing from the Hebrew scriptures about how this Jesus character was the Messiah that they had been waited for. And he overhears this and is so impressed by it. He says, you know what? Why don't you come share that with the bigger venue? 
And so literally Paul is taken to this incredible place in Athens where literally thousands of people probably gathered to hear his TED talk on this particular day. And what he stands to share with them is this, that there is this altar he's noticed in their city. And it's an altar that's labeled the unknown God. And he says, I'd like to tell you about that unknown God. Now the Greeks had as many idols as we have college football teams. And so it caught their attention because I doubt if they've heard a TED talk before about the unknown God. But Paul came to talk to them about it. Don't have time to delve into a lot of that text. Would love to come back sometime this summer and do that. But I do want to share this part of it. All he's doing in the talk basically is emphasizing that this unknown God trumps all the other gods. That this unknown God is superior. That there is no one that compares to him like that unknown God. As a matter of fact, here's what he says. This unknown God is the God who made the world and everything in it. And he is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, but rather he himself gives everybody life and breath and everything else. Now tune in here, church. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. That's a scripture that rocked my world. You mean where I dwell, my home, my casa matters to you? Yes. Here's another translation to help with that. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, the ESV says. Of where they would live, the Good News Version says. And the New Century Version says, God began by making one person, and from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. In the movie Forrest Gump, at the end of the show, Forrest is standing at Jenny's tomb. And he says something that I think every one of us have at least thought. Jenny, I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're just floating around accident-like on the breeze. And Paul would say, yes, there's some kind of a plan. There's some kind of a destiny. There's some kind of a thought behind before the world ever even began about even where you would live. There's some kind of plan. Now, we don't have the time here, and I'm not sure you'd want to hear it about all that means, because I'm not sure that I'm, I'm capable of explaining it, but I know minimally this. I doubt if it's an accident where you're living right now based on what we just read a few moments ago and some other scriptures I could quote, but I think you get the idea that there's been some kind of plan about your life. And particularly for this series of lessons and for this moment of time in this church history, I want you to hear about where you're living right now. Why? Because there's some people around you God needs you to love, and he's brought you there to do it. 
He has. You came in here today knowing that God has uniquely called you to love your neighbor. You've known that. You've sung the songs. You've read that text a bazillion times. You know he's called you to love your neighbor. But I'm not sure that you've thought in a long time, if you've thought at all, that he's uniquely placed you where you are to love them. For his kingdom's sake, and listen to me, for yours. The religious expert had come to Jesus. We just heard it a few moments ago and says, what must I do to have life that doesn't end? We call it life to the full here, both in this place and in the place to come. How do you get a hold of some of that? And he says, let me tell you. You'll love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you do. And I got to believe that there are some of you sitting here and says, I don't care where I live. There's no way this mess could matter to them. There's no way that somebody with my finances, somebody with my reputation, somebody with my past, somebody with my lack of motivation, somebody with my lack of resources, there's no way God placed me anywhere to make a difference in someone else's life. I can't even take care of myself. And I want to I say straight up, the Word of God says that's a lie. That is a lie. And it's a cop-out. Now alone, you're absolutely right. But with His help, His grace and mercy, and His Spirit living within you, oh my goodness, the world changes from where you live. At least a little bit. Because you've sold out and given your heart to Jesus Christ, and you've determined, I'm not here by an accident. The Lord says he's placed me. He's determined times and boundaries for not just some people back then, but for the world forever. He's at work doing some stuff about where I work, where I play. God's in this, and he's asking, do you want to you kind of step in to this story that I'm, I've been writing for your life, or, or you want to write your own story? And our elders have determined that for us to write the best story for the Kerrville Church of Christ, we have to love God and love our Neighbors, thank you. Neighbors. That that's how we're going to influence the community of Kerrville for Jesus Christ. Yeah, we got some programs that we're working at, but you know what? We're trying to lessen those so that we can free you up more and more to be the neighbors he's called you to be where you live. We're going to be talking about how exactly to do that over the next couple of weeks, but you know where I'm going to stop? Is I want to stop with a story about a guy that you've met once before in, in, in a story that I've told. Just simply have called it the fish story. The greatest fish story I'd ever heard in my life, and I shared it with this church, and I'm not about to repeat it, but some of you already have said, oh, I remember that story. And if Greg Carrillo is here, he remembers that story because it was one of the things that hooked him into becoming a Christian and a follower of Christ. The man who told me that story is Blake Hightower. I know Blake well. I spent a lot of time with him. And you're about to see how this man's life was wrecked by God's love and how much of a difference it made in someone who was so far from God's love that you would have never, ever guessed this guy was a Christian. But you want to talk about how impactful a simple, quiet, 
loving neighbor can be in someone's life? Watch this. I was raised up in a family that was uh, not moderately violent, but probably excessively so, and uh, outside of church setting, and didn't really uh, ever hear God's name except for if it were taken in vain in my house. I, uh, I met my wife when I was in high school, and uh, she, was a, she was a Christian when I met her, but uh, it wasn't long before, uh, before we were, I brought her quite a distance from any kind of godly stance on any issues. We got married uh, in 1982, and, and uh, as I was taught in my own violent household, my, the household I established was also uh, full of violence. We moved into this house 10 years ago. I made friends pretty quickly with the guy that lives over across the street. And we drank heavily together most days. And uh, my neighbor, Willie, he would uh, always walk up and down the street for exercise. And he'd walk by us and always uh, exchange something, have something good to say. And I would uh, sit over there drinking with my friend, and we would uh, just malign him and Willie and his family in uh, various ways. And I couldn't imagine that he wasn't, wasn't hearing the curses that I was uh, directing his way. But every day that I saw him, for three years, he, he had something nice to say to me, despite everything that I'd said to him. Strange thing happened at my school. Uh, overhead projector screen fell out of my ceiling. And uh, it uh, swung down at me and I uh, put my arm up to block it and it broke my arm. And when I drove my truck home, I got out and was walking in with a cast on my arm and, and Willie came over my yard and He just said, uh, neighbor, what happened to you? He was a very, uh, very gentle person. And uh, I told him it was none of his business. And uh, he stayed in his own yard, and I walked on into my house, and I heard something outside my bedroom window over there. And I got up and looked out, and it was uh, the old man from next door. He's over here mowing my yard. And I walked out here and, and caught Willie over there. His, his back was to me, and I grabbed him by the arm and turned him around. And I said, I thought I told you to stay out of my yard. And something really, really strange happened to me at that moment. And uh, Willie, with all his gentleness, it's like he looked right inside of me. He said, neighbor, I'm going to mow your yard. The deal is very much outside my experience that, that someone would exchange kindness for what I'd given him. The next Saturday, same thing again. Heard the lawnmower and the old man outside my house mowing my yard. 
He did the same thing next week. And then he came to my door. And he said, would you do me a favor? I'm, I'm going out of town, and I want to know if you'd uh, keep an eye on my house. I said, sure. No problem. Because I thought I had it figured out. I thought maybe it was because he wanted something from me. That's why he was doing this. And uh, I thought, well, at least the old man won't be over here mowing my yard next week making me uncomfortable. The next Saturday, and it was... Uh, young guy out here mowing my yard. Looked kind of vaguely familiar, but I walked out here and I said, who are you and what are you doing in my yard? He said, my name's Tim. Your next door neighbor's my dad and he told me I'm supposed to mow your yard while he's out of town. A considerable amount of time had passed. I got a letter, <clears throat> a package in the mail from my brother Ridosa, and he started off the letter and just said, Dear Blake, I love you. And he said, I know you have a lot of questions about things we were taught growing up. and Just read this book. It'll answer your questions. And I picked up that book. It's a book Max Lucado wrote called uh, God Came Near. And I sat down and read that book cover to cover right then. And I began to cry because I understood that uh, reading that book, that Jesus came here for people who, who needed him. People like me. And uh, I got really excited at the same time because I knew why my neighbor had been mowing my yard those months back. And I, I came outside and ran over to Willie's yard. And Willie was always out there taking care of his yard. It always looked great. And I, I told him, Willie, I know why you mowed my yard. And he said, oh, why is that? And I said, it's because you're a Christian. And he just started to cry. And he hugged me. And I cried. My life's really different. I lived for 32 years without, without Jesus, and I know what a jerk I am without him. And uh, I struggled before just to have some kind of life. It was hopeless. And the biggest difference in my life now is, is the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness that my family holds out to me. And the family that I have in a church, and the way that people, uh, I know what love is. I called Blake last night and I asked him if he could recount that story for me. He said, You know, it takes some time to do it. Can I just send you a link? When I shared that testimony and they videotaped it at the Golf Course Road Church of Christ in Midland, Texas, and I said I'd love to have that. But he told me the story anyway. And he couldn't get through it. 
that was over 25 years ago that that happened in his life and he said Jimmy I can't tell that story at all without just breaking down he said would you please tell the church and he wrote this when he sent the the link to me we are still in love with God and we are forever overwhelmed with his grace I hope this helps someone believe that God's come near to them he didn't just come once to get near us he continues to come through you because you're his his temple you're his dwelling place you're 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 the one that can love others like he would hope to love them if he was here himself that's why he, he called 12 disciples and discipled them. That's why he said, now you make disciples and you send them and, and you all make disciples and you send them. And every one of you in this room is a beneficiary of someone else who realized God came near for me. I matter that much, yes. And so I just want to say this morning, before I send you out to love your neighbors, I just want to make sure, have you received that overwhelming grace for your own life? Did you walk in here with some shields up that maybe God's word spoken and that story has helped drop those a little bit and you said, okay, <laughs> I believe. How do I get in on this? Well, we'll show you exactly how to do that if you want to place your faith and trust in Christ. Come right down here and find me or find one of our elders and we'll see today that you enter into the family of God before you leave here. But if you're my brother or sister, I also want to extend an invitation to you that, that if you walked in here really not convinced you matter much to the cause of Christ for anything I just want to debunk that lie from Satan because it is not true and it's what's crippling I believe his church because he's placed us he's called us to a specific time and place we call home and from that vantage point more I think than any other thing he's asked us to influence the world for Christ and I'm asking you as my family to respond and say as for me and my what? House. We will serve the Lord. We're going to stand and sing this song. If we can help you in any way, please come.